It's getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. Isn't that how that song goes? Yes, it is. Oh my God, you know that song, Nick? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I just lost a little respect for you, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you didn't have any to begin with. <laughs> you want boys ready? Let's do it. Let's do this. Oh, I might just try. Oh, I might just try. Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan, and this is episode 63. But we have a pressing matter that must be attended to before we can continue on with the show. Uh, I was in the chat room the other day with some listeners, and of course, as you guys know, we have a few listeners from the UK or from uh, Australia. And one of them said that he will not listen to the show unless. Nick says, a dingo's ate my baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we're putting Nick on the spot. And by the way, there's Nick. You guys all heard Nick. And of course, Jesse and Justin are here. Say hi, guys. What's up? What's up, guys? Can I go home? No, no, you can't, dude. This is, uh, this is your thing, man. It sucks to be. Do it. Do it. You can do it. Let's hear it. I want to hear it. So, okay. What am I supposed to say again? Well, I'm going to, you've probably seen the episode. A lot of you have. It's the, um. Uh, it's that ep- uh, Seinfeld episode where Elaine goes, "A dingo's ate your baby," and I'm gonna. Uh, oh, you're familiar, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, you can blame this one on on uh, Tomo is the listener's name or Tomo. I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Thanks a lot, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were just so impressed with your um, your <laughs> ability to say down under. Dan and <laughs> that they just wanted to hear you say the the dingo thing, like okay, so as in like maybe a dingo say your baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you got to say that again. Do it again. Oh, okay. I need to hear it again. Maybe a dingo ate your baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is pure gold. Oh my god, that's awesome. So there you go, I Tom. I cannot believe I. <laughs> Actually, just said that. <laughs> you can hear it all on here. Oh, so look, Tomo, there you go, buddy. I told you, archive just for you. Yeah, list on. That was uh, that's priceless. That's uh, pure RCHN gold right there. Oh, glad that you guys think it's funny. So again, I'm Dan, and uh, you guys just heard Nick make an ass out of himself. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, <laughs> and uh, you guys heard Justin and Jesse earlier. So, um, dude, this week has just been, here's the cool thing. It's been full of drama, right? But none of it's been, none of it's been around us. So that is so awesome. Yay. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's just, it's a downer, isn't it? There's so much drama going on right now. I am so glad we are official, like. West coast, baby. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding, man. It's just feels like high school, man. I know. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about a few things that are happening this week, guys. Uh, the whole, I don't, you know, the whole Orlando thing, and I don't know the story. We don't. We hopefully we'll get Bird on, and and he can kind of clear some things up, and or maybe he just doesn't even want to talk about it. Which I wouldn't blame him because sometimes, as we have found out, that's the best road to take. Yeah, 
And um, so what the hell, man? What's been going on, guys? What have you been doing since last week? Who wants to go first? Let's see. Any, mini, miny, mo, <laughs> catch a tigger by his toe. I guess it's you, uh, Jesse. You're first. Oh, yeah. uh, well, last week I've been wrenching on a 450. I mean, how much fun does that sound? Huh? So uh, did you crash that warp yet? Oh, man. It hasn't even left the ground yet. That's so, right it's still it's still sitting right here on the bench. No, yes. so I've been been trying to work my way through that this last week. So it's been taking up quite a bit of my heli time. So, but it's just about done. So yeah, I was I couldn't help but notice that you rushed me right through there, so you couldn't allow me to get in. That's about where most good compass helicopters <laughs> sit on the bench. Yeah. Why does it See, take that? Even though even though I rushed, you you still figured out a way to get it in there. Well, it's man. kind of my thing, man. It's kind of what I do. Yeah, I, you so. know. But I've also got the mute button. Yeah, that's a good so, point. <laughs> you know, so hopefully I can see the air tomorrow. Yeah? How come it's so. taking so long, man? Yeah, it's just a 450, Oh, dude, dude well, really? So, You're so going to bitch him shit about taking so long? <laughs> yeah. Man, hey, I, I'm me. comfortable with where I sit in the grand scheme <laughs> no, of things. No, no, so I, I didn't get the kit. I didn't get the kit till last Friday. So then if it figured out I didn't have the Dude, correct that's a length ago. of servo horns. Yeah, I didn't have the right servo horns. And being in college, homework, I can only fly on the weekends. So. And also to the fact that they probably sent you 20 or 30 wrong parts because it is, after all, a compass. No? Not, not biting on that one? Silence. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, it's it's it was quickly scanning the uh talking points, going like, What do I say about <laughs> what do I say to this one? Yeah, wait, 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 how wait, am I to respond? <laughs> no, of course, no. I'm only kidding I, I, you guys. Okay. I, I don't, I'll bring uh, up, I'll bring up one thing, Dan. Here we go. Ooh. Ready for this? You can eat this up. I oh, I'm ready, dude. Okay. Well, I, dude, your anguish sustains me. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, here, here goes, here goes. So I'm putting this thing together. Right? I I get it all put together. It's sitting on the bench. I'm looking at it from the left side. You know, they always paint compass on the tail boom. So, you know, I look at the tail boom. It just says compass. Perfect. I go to flip it around to the other side. And, well, it says compass, but it's upside down. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so but that's it. But, I mean, hey, out of all the things that could have gone wrong, I think I'll, I think I'll take that. Wait, wait, so. wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. I, you know what? No, I don't accept this because look, you led me to believe you were going to point out something that Compass had done wrong. And it sounds to me like it's something you did wrong. No. Oh, you're it's telling it, me it was upside down on one it's side, painted, but painted yeah, it's upside, the right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, oh. they rolled it. So they painted it, rolled it 180 and painted it again rather than flipping it, flipping it end to end and then repainting. <laughs> Just yeah, leave exactly. it to those. Leave it. Leave it to those guys, man. Those well, maybe it. it's so that you can Wait read a minute, it when they you're meant inverted. to do that, so you can read it That's while what it's I was inverted. Thinking. It's, yeah. a, it's a pic, you know, photo session for inverted flight. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, denial it just. A but unfortunately, I looked at some other pictures, and I don't think it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a team pilot special, Jesse. Yeah. yeah so God, we've know. got a couple of those in our day. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> so no real flying, just just some building going on. Yeah, just some building. And, Classes uh, are going good. You're still passing because you do it. I am going to need somebody to support me in, at some point yeah, in the future. So, so I this, need this you is get... actually the last week of lecture. So I just got a couple exams next week and then uh, home for three weeks. So that'll be kind of nice. Just in time for the snow. Of course, you guys don't really get snow, but it's snowing uh, here. It just, it just snowed here. The, it's you know, snowing right now. It just kind of stopped. But we got an inch out there. So right now. so They told us five inches, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. 
Uh, so, Justin, man, what the hell? Yeah, What's going guess on? what it's doing here? Raining. It's not snowing. Raining? Oh, yeah. Still raining. Oh. No flying for me. Um, basically, just been working on doing some bench testing on the MKS servos for the review. Uh, won't go into too much detail there, but uh, they're pretty impressive, and uh, I think we'll start uh, getting some more information out there in the next couple of episodes. But uh, other than that, as you guys know, I made the decision uh, to get the gasser going again after it's sitting around for what seems like an eternity, even though it was a month, Dan. It still feels like a year. Yeah. It was, so, it was you, a year. you you guys ever have one of those times where you ask someone or or a couple of people for advice? You know what they're going to tell you, right? Uh, you get the advice and then you blatantly disregard it. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling impulsive this week, and so I asked a couple of my fellow team members, "What do you guys think about this pipe for the gasser?" Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's going to be worth the money. You you should just stick, you know, stick with the typical pipes. It's not going to do much for you. It's just for looks. I'm like, wow, guys, you know, I figured that was the case. Thank you for the advice. Uh, I will take it into consideration. What do you think I did after I got done with that conversation? <laughs> you ignored it. I ignored and it and I bought that one. pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you that that pipe is sexy yeah it is dude and that's what it comes down to i said you know what i'm at one with the fact that i'm being completely illogical and irrational here at least the heli is going to look sexy and it's for sure it is you'll have to let us know how that works because you know i i have an affinity for gassers i really do i just i um just didn't i've just never really had much luck with them unfortunately but i do love the, the idea of a gasser i really do Come on, you can you can uh, convert one of your 700s into a gasser. Blasphemy. No? I will never convert one of my cool power 700s into a gasser. I'll tell you that right, right now. I, I love <laughs> how the cool power jumped in there. That's the name. That's what it is. That's, that's their name. It's cool power 701, cool power 700. Right. That's exactly right. what their name is. Yeah. Says it on the canopy. I, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Dude, get off my Can't clock. deny that. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to get it on the canopy now. Thanks, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll send that bill to you. <laughs> yeah. So is that it then, dude, or what's the hell? What's the, what's the hell, yo? What, what's, what's the, the hell? hell? <laughs> I'm making Make up it up words. That, that's pretty much it, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's get on with it. Let's uh, let's rick this shot, Vickers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, oops. I think I had an autocorrect problem again. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, if we oh, could geez. only publish our group texts to each other. Of course, yeah. we might end up in jail or something. If yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. We, we would get kicked off. The then no one would somehow. listen. <laughs> so that leaves us with uh, the Nixter. What's going yeah. on with you, dude? What have you been doing? Um, It's actually kind of been a pretty slow week. Really? Yeah? Yeah. No flying. Just nothing but rain. Had to do the whole Christmas lights and all that wonderful stuff. Yay! Merry Christmas. I don't do Christmas lights, dude. I never, I haven't for like five years. I don't do a Christmas tree, nothing. Yeah, well, that's because you don't have a semi-understanding wife. <laughs> yeah. That was very well worded. <laughs> yes, I'm well trained. <laughs> no, not much, really. Just been kind of messing around um, with. Uh, 
Oh, spend definitely spend some time dinking around with the Soko kit, which uh, we will get to the review on that shortly. So we well, I'm going to move on with myself then. If you don't got nothing to add to this, hey Dan, what? What'd you do this week? Oh, dude, you know what? Thanks for asking. No problem. I just I feel the love up in here. I really do. I have nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I did get some flights in on the X100. And I'm starting to like it a little bit better. I, I know I said I was going to try to have it done this week, but we have officially secured a gym. And that's for Sundays, just like it was last year. It's official now. So this this Sunday will allow me five hours of back-to-back flying, allowing some of my buddies to fly it and kind of finishing it up. I've been doing the the other stuff that's kind of non-flight related like you know figuring out sourcing out parts finding out you know what you're looking at there costs that kind of stuff the typical stuff that people will you know so that that kind of stuff i've been doing i should be able to button it up this week and uh hopefully by next week we'll be able to talk about it nice but i do have something that i've been dealing with it's not really heli related but it just really burns my ass and I just I, I just I have a, a feeling need to talk <laughs> they about have it. cream for that. <laughs> <They> have cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So long story short, I'm not gonna go into detail here. Long story short, I had some property that I was dealing with that required that had some stuff that wasn't worth a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. And so I Asked around all my friends who I thought might be interested in salvaging. Couldn't really find anything. So I placed an ad on Facebook. And I've come up with two realizations. Or not, I'm sorry. Craigslist. I don't, have you guys oh, dealt God. with Craigslist? <laughs> two I things happen when you deal with Craigslist. First of all, um, apparently when posting an ad on Craigslist, you get put on every scammer's email list in existence. Oh, yeah. It's like instant South African friends you didn't even know you had. Exactly. And they're even calling me on Skype, dude. (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I get, I get where, hey, Dan, I'm like, oh, you know, and, and, and I'm pretty open with Skype because a lot of times it's a listener Mm -hmm. that just wants to chat. So I always give them a try and I say, hey, what's going on? Hey, Dan, I'm from Ghana. And I'm like, okay, what can I do for you? Oh, I just want a friend. What? what? <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, uh, okay, see you later. You know, block. So anyway, I'd been dealing with that. And it kind of, um, and Are also. You sure you're, you're posting on the right site? I hope I am. Yeah. 2 <laughs> okay. right? Yeah. No, seriously, though, I, I. Okay, so I posted this stuff on Craigslist for free. It's it's not up there anymore, by the way. It's down. I posted this stuff up for free. And I, I got all these calls, and and then I got a ton of reasons why they didn't want it. I'm like, look, it's free. I don't need to hear why you don't want it. I don't need to get into that conversation, which leads me to the following. I found on my new home, Run Rider... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found a post and it caught my attention because I was going through this stuff. And it's a it's a thread on Runrider called 
uh, something about Craigslist. And, you know, your funny helicopter Craigslist. Oh, Craigslist tellies. Yeah. All right. So check this out. I found this, some guy put, and it's kind of a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot. So it's not real good quality. And this has nothing to do with helicopters, but this is so funny. I had to share it with you guys. All right. So the ad starts off eight by eight by 16 cement blocks, $1 each. Okay. And he says, I have approximately 275 to 300 center blocks for sale. They are standard 8 by 8 by 16. They cost about 175 plus delivery fee. If you buy them somewhere else, I'm asking $1 per block. You can pick them up and move them yourself. Now, here's where it gets good. Please don't waste my... And I'm going to not swear because there's a lot of swearing in this one. <laughs> Please don't waste my effing time with endless emails. These are plain old center blocks for F's sake. You don't need to, to do an engineering study on the feasibility of using these effing things as building materials. That's what they're for, you effing idiots. <laughs> now listen, we're all busy people here. You want the blocks? Come and get the effing blocks and give me $1 for every block you take. How effing hard is that? <laughs> I love this guy already, dude. You this is my kind of guy. You don't have to tell me what you're building. I don't give an F. I'm not interested in helping you build it either. Why? Because I don't give an F. I just want to get these effing things off my property. So if you want them, get the F over here with some money and take them. The next effing moron that emails me with, I'm building a blah, 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 and was wondering if, the answer is no. Come get the effing blocks and build it yourself. If I knew how to do masonry, don't you think I'd be using these blocks? <laughs> Instead of selling them for half the effing price, what the f is wrong with you people? <laughs> the next one of you effing jackasses that emails me with some sob story bullshit is getting his email address added to the North American Man Boy Love Association mailing list. That <laughs> 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 he ends it with, "You want the blocks? Come get the blocks, and don't f with me." <laughs> Is that just not the perfect ad for a Craigslist? That is priceless. That is a beaten down and and very just, yeah, very wounded man. That is a guy that just has obviously has dealt with some absolute morons. I mean, and just, just can't take it anymore. I know that guy's that I know that was a pretty long segue into nothing hel- helicopter related, <laughs> but it was just so good. I had to share it with you guys. And I know a lot of you that, Spend a little time on Run Rider. I've probably seen it, and um, it's kind of hidden away back. And I'm going to keep that because it is truly a work of art in my mind. That's awesome. So on that note, maybe, um, maybe we should go into some news. I think we could probably do some news. News it is. All right, guys. It's Christmas time. It's coming up real soon. As you know, there's nothing better than to get a nice heli present underneath the tree. And when I'm looking to buy Christmas gifts, I go to helipros.com. Excellent customer service, fast shipping. You just can't ask for a better shop. Yeah, you're right, Dan. And you know what? The way to be guaranteed that you're going to get those heli parts under your tree in time for Christmas is to go to helipros. So there it is, guys. Helipros.com. Fly hard. Helipros has the parts. All 
Alrighty, guys, this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got, Nick? All right, so Align has released uh, version 3.0 for the 3GX. Uh, they did put up, let's see, we've got some, they added collective pitch to elevator compensation, um, you know, just help it to stay level during, um, you know, climb outs. And uh, when you're pulling down into the negative, there's pitch limiting. There's just a whole bunch of um, uh, better pirouetting compensation. Man, the list is just huge. I'm not even going to bother reading it all. Apparently, it flies way better. <laughs> and and I should also add that um, they put out some videos of not the whole Align team, but uh, Jamie, let's see, it was Jamie, Kenny, Co, and Alan Zabo Jr. Um, flying. I have to take back what I said about the original Jamie Robertson video flying the 700E. He beats the monkey shit out of this one, man. Yeah, and it's got the 3GX on it? Yep, oh, 3GX yeah. with version 3.0. Huh. And, and it was, as I had suspected, and you know, now that he's got his machine, and um, with this version 3.0, it looked really, really good. I mean, I, I, I went back through, watched it two, three times, trying to pick it out like I did the first time. And it was not there. Another thing I thought was really cool watching this video was they have, at the beginning of the videos, they kind of quickly post their setups as far as pitch and head speed. And he was running the lowest head speed out of all of them. He was only running 2150. And God, I'll be damned if he, he really makes it look a lot faster than it is. Well, I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's why he's Jamie Robertson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it, it's it's pretty cool to you know I, I like seeing videos like that. Twenty one fifty is not too super ridiculous um, for a seven hundred e. You know, for someone who's yeah. competitive. But like yeah, the guy's that's pretty flying, reasonable. Yeah, flying twenty three, twenty four hundred, and it's like, dude, you watch this video, and he makes it look fast and sharp and crisp and quick. So I'm impressed. Kids, kids gonna make a good pilot one of these days. One day, one day he'll, yeah. he'll get found. <laughs> I think. When he grows up, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Contronic has an update out for the Heli Jive uh, version thirteen software update. I guess it deals with some problems they were having with large out outrunner motors um, on startup. Uh, you can it's free of charge for the update if it's in the warranty period of the unit and it's ten euros, um, not counting shipping if it's out of the warranty to get it updated. So all you Contronic users, get that in if you're having problems. Well, let's see. I'm going to skip by that one for a second. Uh, wow, new firmwares everywhere. Uh, CTY 750. Well, you, you, you guys remember that thing? I do. Wasn't there one or two guys yeah. that bought that? Team pilots. Team pilots have it. Yeah. yeah, they had those. So they have put out an update for this that has a huge list of uh, of improvements. I think that this thing had almost pretty much gone by the wayside and they've been working on this update for quite some time because they had a lot of things to fix. <laughs> uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, now with this update, people are able to dust off those CGY 750s and get them back flying again. I mean, it's it's Futaba. You'd, you'd love to say, I would love to say that they'll get it figured out eventually. I just, I, I can't, Futaba shouldn't be able to put out something that sucks. 
I agree, and I'm I'm honestly surprised it took as long as it did to get to this point because you look at the improvements and it's kind of a list of stuff that they should have probably released it with. Yeah. Oh, and the setup is probably the big one. I mean, that was the big plaint was just like you know, it's like trying to program an eight FG. There's yeah, way too many things that really. Yeah, exactly. And that was something that they, they really dove into was this, was simplifying the menu setup. And you don't have to adjust all of these kind of inner working parameters to make it fly halfway decent. Yeah. I got a, goes, I got a uh, while we're talking about that, I got a mm-hmm. pop quiz for all okay. three of you. All right. Who was the first manufacturer to come up with spread, spread spectrum technology? Hmm. I just learned this this week. I haven't been alive long enough. To I don't. This. I don't know. I'm out. It was Futaba. You know how people say that uh, Spectrum was the first one to come up with that. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal: Futaba had it in their commercial and industrial RC stuff, like um, uh, machining stuff and um, uh, construction type RC stuff. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. see. Gotcha. They didn't release it hobby grade um, because they knew there were problems with it. So they delayed the release and came up with their version of the 2.4. Gotcha. Mm. Makes just a, sense. Just a little useless info that I learned this week. That's that. I think that's solid info. That's not useless. Yeah. It is interesting. Well, you know, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Well, who did it first? Well, yeah. Well, Spectrum might have done it first in the hobby world, but it's a borrowed technology from another industry. There you so, go. Sweet. Yep. All right, so a new simulator's out on the market. I took a look at this. Um, uh, the graphics are looking pretty good. The name's a little odd. So it's made by, it's called the Next, N-E-X-T, and then CGM, RC Heli Flight Simulator. Way too many letters. I <laughs> just came up with a catchy name for it. Um, but the graphics look really, really good. And here's here's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, I can see all the eyebrows coming up. Especially this, in this group. I know. This is Mac compatible. Yep. Yeah. That is awesome. I almost yes. bought I almost bought that simulator tonight. Dude, well, I would I'm I'm really hoping we can get a hold of one. Um I've actually already fired off some emails and I, I would love to get a hold of this to take a look at it. Here's the other thing. So it comes with you it comes with four helicopters. They've got a seven hundred E. Uh, Bell 222 for the scale guys, a Goblin, and mm-hmm. a Vibe 90 Scott Gray Edition fly mm-hmm. You can buy other models. They have a lot of other models, yeah. um, but you do have to purchase those. And they're kind of spendy, to be honest. Are How they, much are I they? Didn't, they're 20 bucks each. They're $20 a model. Wow. wow. Okay, so then what they did, well, now like the simulator price itself it is very affordable. I mean, we are talking, let's see, $47 yep. US. But then you got to buy a dongle. You do have to buy a dongle. Or if you are a real flight user, I'm guessing you can use your Elite controller. You can. I had to do some serious, this one, they, they need to put this out there. And I don't know if this is, a, I think it's a Dutch company. Yep. I went to their website, looked at it. Um, they need to get this information out hey, there. I, I want to hear your Dutch accent. I don't have one. Come on, dude. No, dude. Come on. I've just slaughtered so many people. <laughs> <laughs> Cut me a little bit of slack here. All right. All right. 
You got your freaking dingo, baby. <laughs> Still can't believe that. And, and it's recorded for time and eternity. Yeah. It's I immortal. Know. Can't take it back. So we've got, okay, so the, let's see, the USB simulator cable for the XTR, Aerofly, and FMS will work. Uh, the GWS, Futaba High Tech, let's see, that, that. The GWS transmitter will work. RC Tech. Six-channel flight simulator kit, that one will work. And the eSky simulator will work, as well as, oh, I know I saw this. Uh, yeah, the real flight one. Phoenix doesn't? It doesn't say, and that was in the email that I sent, because that was the big one that I know. Although you can pick these up. Yeah. You can pick up a regular generic USB dongle for less than 15 bucks. Yeah, Yeah, it's cheap. True. Yeah. There are expensive ones out there as well, for those of you who like to spend a lot of money on shit, needlessly. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. But no, the, the graphics look really good. Uh, it's I, I was just kind of glancing through it. It's kind of cool. Apparently, you, you adjust a lot of the characteristics actually in your transmitter, like expo, endpoints, dual rates, that sort of a thing. Did, so you, I don't, did you watch the demo videos? Yes, I did. What did you think of the sound? Uh, they got, they definitely got the sound a lot better than Phoenix. Do they? Yeah. There's a couple parts where the sound sounds a little weird, but then like spool up sound really realistic. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it's, I mean, Hey, for the price, I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah and you don't need, you know, a hundred different models either. So I, I personally don't mind the four models and then buy one for 20 bucks. You, if it's anything like any other sim, it doesn't make a difference what the model looks like. Choose a 3D 90 size heli and you should be able to tune it to get it to fly the way you want. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been what flying for a little over three years now and I think I've only consistently used a total of three different models. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, SAB has finally released a, a quick release battery tray set for the Goblin 630, 700, and 770. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, that was, they should have done that. It should have came out of the factory like that. I remember watching Dieter just struggle with that. It, it was a huge pain on James's. That was my, that was kind of like my one real big, like, I hate. I hate helis that the batteries are a pain to load in. So, and, and it's so light that a tray isn't going to sacrifice. I mean, anything solid. So, nice work, SAB. All right, you ready for the big news of the week? You always have a big news of the week. Uh, it's what I do, yo. Yeah, the title is Big News of the Week. Big I mean, news. Has to have one every I have week. Touche. I work on starting to announce that. Big news of the week. <laughs> All right. This just in. <laughs> Um, the blade, the new blade pro series heli that we were talking about. Yeah. The 550 X. That's the big news. Yep. (laughs) It has been revealed. They are at Orlando heli blowout right now as we speak flying. Nice. Yep. They're Mm -hmm. offering it in two, two separate versions. Um, let's see, you can get it. So the, the pro series kit is priced at 640. The pro series combo is priced at a staggering 999.99. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, That's a little pricey. You know, it, uh, 
So the uh, the kit comes with motor, speed control, and a BEC. Uh, the combo has also comes with all that in addition to uh, three Spectrum H6040 um, digital cyclic servos and the H6080G tail servo and uh, AR7200BX. Yep. So, uh, you know, here's the deal. They've got, I think Blade has enough of a following that it'll be all right, but I don't think that they're going to be attracting a lot of non-Blade flyers to that heli. I would well, agree. They sure as hell won't if they keep having the guy fly it the way he did in the the, the preview video. Oh, tell us about it. What? Did you see no, that? What's going on? Yeah, yeah I, was, I didn't think it was dude, that. It was bad. like I I almost passed out watching it. Well, no, it was okay. the same slow, boring, monotonous stuff the whole five minutes. And I mean, it didn't show any power. He he wasn't smacking it around. This I is of course not a criticism any. of the pilot, <laughs> but. Come on, seriously? You, I don't think it has that power. That's why. <laughs> that's not how you, you sell it. it. But no, but dude, it was working it. You could hear it, and there were a lot of comments. Oh, I know. About, that's like, the thing. wow, sounds underpowered. And I think that's why he was late. He was very easy on the collective, because you could hear that motor start talking back in a hurry. I heard Jesse say a yeah. bit ago he, he didn't mind it. The yeah, flying I style? I mean, oh, the yeah, flying I, mean, style, I, I heard I it. He was, he was definitely great. working it, but... You know, I, I can appreciate that that 3D, the smooth that fun style. 3D. Yeah. Oh no, yes. I can appreciate the style. Let me be clear here. I I don't understand why they chose to that for their sales video. Justin's just an elitist. Yeah, I'm just looking for something to complain about. And you know what? <laughs> while I'm while I'm on the soapbox, yeah. WTF on the skids, man. Seriously. Oh my God, what what's wrong with the skids, dude? Look no. at them. <laughs> I sent a text to Nick and well, I sent a text to all three of you guys saying, "Yeah, it, we all thought it was going to look good. It, it probably would have been better if they just kept it in the shadows." <laughs> See, I, I don't think it's that bad. Did you? Did you? Are you having a bad day, dude? What, what's no. up? <laughs> they were I was smart. excited about this one. I mean, I was never going to buy it, but. You know, Blade, we know E-Flight. Blade does good stuff. I was stuff. excited really about pumped. it, but I was never going to buy but it. I was never even considering <laughs> buying it. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. What? Oh, my God. This it. is like the freaking I, I was just expecting something a bit cooler here. looking. What's that? I was just expecting something a bit cooler looking than that. It's Blade, dude. This is like, this is. What they do. This is like the ninth wonder of the world for them. <laughs> <laughs> They've reinvented the wheel here, dude. They're proud of it. Yeah. True, true. We'll take it. On a positive note, the design stuff that they did show looked pretty solid. I mean, the head, the tail, it all looks really good. Oh, looks take, like take, take another look. I'm sure you'll find something wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, are you sure? You were looking at the same picture. No, we it's were, got right? the, dual, the dual control on the pitch slider and everything on the tail. Yeah, it's torque to... Chinese weights integrated. It looks like in yep. the tail. Yeah, in the tail. No, it's I. I yeah. No, I'm not. I'm now. I'm not being sarcastic. I mean it. Yeah, it's like everything else, but they nailed it. it at least it looks like it. Except yeah, for those damn skids. If if they offer, and I think this, if they want to sell this helicopter to someone who will really fly it and enjoy it, uh, ditch ditch the kit. Let it. Let them get just the airframe. Let them get just the airframe 
and then put your own motor and speed controller in it. So there was some talk about this not being available in uh, RTF form. This is a kit, right? Yeah, either the kit or the combo. But see, the combo, it's kind of weird because I had heard that too. No, it won't be RTF. But, I mean, if you're flying Spectrum, it pretty much is with the whole Wait, combo kit. Did you mean RTF as in pre-built though, Dan? Pre-built, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like take no, it out of the box not. and put a battery no, in it and try to it's fly. in because every piece is taken apart. Now. Well, well that, what's okay. the difference between the $640 and the when it, when it says kit, what does it come with? It's servos. So the the combo comes with servos and the seventy two hundred BX. Okay. The other one is just airframe ESC motor and BEC. And blades? Um you know. Probably. Because the picture I, I see shows so. revolution blades on it. Yeah, which by the way, those are sexy ass blades. They do <laughs> look pretty sweet. I dude. like the way they look. Well then by all means, let's uh let's get some and, and let's get some. Yeah, we should. Because um, it's not, don't be a schmuck. It's not how you feel. It's how you look, dude. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, are you done with news, by the way? Um, Let me double check. Yeah, I'm good. Speaking of how you look, there's going to be a lot of styling people out there here pretty soon. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. So uh, we did hit the limit, and we are going to place that order. And by actually, by the time you guys listen to this, the order will have been placed. Hopefully, awesome. we hopefully we get those in uh, Friday, and I proceed to print out a thousand and five hundred mailing. No, it's not quite that many, but you get my point. A lot of mailing addresses, mm-hmm. and we have them out Saturday morning. Nice, sweet. That's the plan. Hopefully it comes to fruition. It would be nice because everybody, I'd love for you guys to have these before Christmas. I can't wait to get mine because I use a hoodie oh, yeah. all the time. All the time. Oh, yeah. I wear one every day. Yep. So, uh, you know, we should also mention that um, we did, we did kind of CYA. We ordered a lot more than, well, not a lot more, but we ordered some more than the pre-order. Right. Um, and the, the big thing with the pre-order is that we were guaranteed to get you the size that you wanted. Um, you know, the remaining ones, we looked over the whole pre-order, picked the most common sizes and and filled up up to our, you know, ordered, uh, quantity ordered with the remaining of those sizes. So um, don't don't think that because you didn't get on that pre-order, you can't get one. Definitely contact us and um, we'll get you one if we have the size. We just can't guarantee it. Yeah. What we'll probably do is change that page. That will reflect what we have exactly, so you'll know, um, mm-hmm. and it'll just tell you how many we have of whatever size. And, if and you just know, to clarify, it's the size range that we can get is small to three XL, right, Dan? Or we can, can we get a four XL? We can get a four XL, but they are a little more expensive, four dollars okay. more. So, uh, but if if you're listening to this now and you didn't call me, then we are not going to be having any four XLs in stock. No. Unfortunately, so you uh, sadly missed out. However, uh, you know, that doesn't mean we won't be doing another one. Depends upon how demand goes. If people are wanting these again, then we'll do it again. But, um, you know, if you're an average Joe with a wife and a white picket fence and 2.2 kids, we'll probably have one that'll fit you. (laughs) (laughs) 
So no, that's what uh, are you saying? I'm just saying, man, average sized people, man. Mm. You know, average, ordinary, everyday Joes. Nothing wrong with average. <laughs> I strive for average. It's my it's my it's my Dude, metric. That's a, that's a good day. If <laughs> I get called average. I've been called way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys, this week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. You know, guys, one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners. And lucky for us, Gen's Ace Batteries shares the same ideas. Just for you, they're offering a 10% discount code on all their batteries. That's right, guys. So head over to www.hobbyparts.com, enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. So, topic du jour, which I found out, by the way, is not Latin. No, no, dude, it's French. French. You know, I, I might have known that. You know, but I don't. I, I just it, Latin sounded funny to me. Hey, you know, Dan. Hmm. Bef- before we engulf ourselves and and start our weekly ramblings, mm-hmm. we should probably talk about this pretty cool little Soko kit that I got here. Quickly, that's a good idea. Let's uh, let's uh, do yeah, that. Yeah, because I'm I'm excited to let everyone know about this. So uh, we were very lucky and had Soko Heli Tools send us the Soko kit. Uh, which includes, uh, it comes all in this really cool little kind of like vinyl zip-up bag. And it's the Soko gauge, the Soko helical, which is the actual kind of like plastic mounting plate that the gauge mounts on. Um, They've got all the hardware in there, batteries, and a really nice, uh, like kind of looks like a battery strap. And they're to hold it all together when you're transporting. Um, I... I really like it. I mean, taking it out, you can tell that they aimed for quality, you know, and I guess I should start and say this is a pitch gauge kit. And I say a little more than a kit because there's there's a lot of cool, really, options that comes with this. What what the helical consists of is think of kind of like, and you guys can see this on our webpage um, for pictures, but it's kind of like an octagon-shaped plastic plate, except the bottom of it is stepped as it goes around. So it starts thin, steps up a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. And that portion of it slides into where your main blade would go on your grip. You drop your bolt through there, tighten it down, and the gauge is bolted to the top of the helical. Um, what I liked about that, I, don't, I this is a huge pet peeve of mine, and I know anyone who flies 600, 700 for sure, Trying to screw around with a pitch gauge with blades on in the house drives me insane. Right. Yeah, because I can never get, um, like your electric, you know, you don't keep your batteries in the heli. So now you got this airframe that weighs like three pounds, okay? And you've got enough drag on the motor one way that if you try and turn turn the blades back just a little bit, the whole heli spins around. And then so you're kind of just doing this weird swing around, smacking the ceiling, smacking the wall, knocking stuff off your table. I can't stand it. That, I think, is where this one really shines. As you can bolt it in there, tighten everything up, 
and you could swing this thing around, do any, move it around, anything you need to do, and you don't have to worry about anything falling off. So that makes it really nice. Another really cool feature that I like is the LCD display on the front of it. At first, it kind of looks like a normal gauge, but it actually flips up horizontally. So that when you when you have it bolted in the grip and you're standing above the heli lining up, you know, you're lining up the head down the boom, it, it you can actually see it from looking down on the top. Yeah. So you don't have to do that whole song and dance where you scoot your chair way out and you get all down low like a ninja, you know, and you're trying <laughs> to look at this thing and then all of a sudden you look up, then you find out that the head moved, you know, three, four degrees. And it's like, oh, crap. Okay, now it's off. Now I got to swing it around, turn it back. Um, so I, I really, really like that feature. It's also different from the rest of them in that it's got a built-in spirit level in it. So it has like a true normal level. And they do it two ways. They give that to you in digital form, and then they give it to you in the form of like a digital bubble level. So um, if you want to go through the process of like perfectly lining up your main shaft for vertical... Um, you know, these, the instructions in this kit, I've, I've read some impressive instructions. <laughs> <laughs> they are unlike any set of instructions I've ever seen. If you do not, if you struggle with the concepts of, you know, how to check cyclic pitch, collective pitch, um, they're so detailed. They walk you through the process of just with this pitch gauge and I'll add, because it is so accurate, it goes down to tenths of a degree rather than half a degree like most of them. You can check your swash level with this. So if you don't have a swash leveler, but you have this, you can check it. And they tell you how to do it. You, you know, find perfect vertical, you know, throw a couple pieces of paper under your skids to get it all up. Checking it with the gauge, it'll bolt down on top on the head button. It's just, it's... <laughs> It's kind of like the all the the almighty of pitch gauges for accuracy. That that's what they were definitely going for was like was quality and accuracy with it, and, and it's sweet. It it's it works well. Um, do I think that it's perfect for every situation? No, and and here's why: it's a little awkward to get the actual gauge um, bolted to the Soko helical because the, the, the nuts that are in captured in the bottom of the, the bottom of the gauge slide around so you can twist and move the gauge and adjust it. So that's, it's a little awkward that way. And the way that you store it would be to unbolt it from it, lay it down flat and wrap this strap around it, which has a hole that kind of holds the strap on there. I mean, it's pretty sweet, but if you're out at the field, I, I'm also, I'm a realistic kind of person. If I'm out at the field, Truthfully, I'll probably still grab my regular old slide-on pitch gauge because if I'm outside, I'm at a flight station or a table, I have the room to move, swing the blades around. I don't particularly want to have to take my blades off. I don't have to. So, But I also don't expect when I'm out at the field, I'm not shooting for that 100% accuracy. Right. Usually it's just double-checking, oh, crap, did I even set it at all? Did I completely forget to set my pitch or was it eight or 10? So you're just kind of shooting for it. Um, th this is all about that home setup, that take your time, 
to do it right. And, you know, everyone that knows me knows that I, I just, I love to take my time and get the most out of my setup. I don't see any reason on spending a couple thousand dollars on a heli and then shortcutting your setup, you know, getting your swash perfectly level, getting your pitch ranges dead on. So I think that it's, it's got a place in the toolbox. There's no question that it's got a place in the toolbox. I think the quality's there. The ideas there, the functionality is fantastic. I just, I don't think it's for every situation. Um, but I'm also the kind of guy where I, you know, being a technician by trade, I don't have a problem having multiple different tools. Right. You know, I don't, I don't unpack my tools um, that I take out to the field with me to fly with. I have two completely different sets. One stays at home, one stays packed up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really, really high quality kit, which I enjoy. Um, the instructions, they, they left no question there with the instructions. They're awesome. You're going to learn a lot. So, um, yeah, overall, I think it's great. It's not for every situation, but... Can it, do you know the uh, price on that? You know, I don't off the top of my head, but I will let Justin ask his question. And Well, that was my first question, but... <laughs> okay. In the short time it took for you to say you didn't know, I checked. Oh, and it perfect. is. It looks like it's about eighty bucks. Uh huh. Eighty U.S. dollars, uh, sixty euros, something like that. Yeah. Um. And then the second one I had was, did you actually go through and do the swash leveling? I did. And, and what what was what was your thought on it? I mean, I know you said that you, it doesn't necessarily take the place of a normal swash leveling tool, but it can. Okay. So that's, that's the difference. It can. Um, would I use that method? No, there are, there are a couple methods in their instructions and they're just, you know, what they're, what they're giving you with the instructions is like, here's everything that this gauge is. Here's every setup and, and test that this gauge can possibly do. And, right. and it can't do a lot more than the rest because of that accuracy. I would never attempt to level a swash with, you know, with a, with a half a degree pitch gauge. That's a joke. Oh, yeah. But when you get Not down into the tenths of a degree, then, then you can. Um, so if you don't have a pitch gauge, yes, it is actually possible. Um, it is time consuming. I'm not going to lie. That's what I figured was going to be the case. Because when yeah. I first saw the description, I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. You can level the swash. But after looking at it a little bit, it seemed like it might take a, take a bit of time. It's time consuming. Uh, there, there's no question there. No question at all that it isn't time consuming. But, uh, you know, I guess, okay, so you could look at it a couple of different ways. You don't have to take the head off if you're going to level the swash. So there's That's no cool. removal of anything, which, I, I mean, dude, I've pulled heads up so many times to oh, slide yeah. swash levelers on, to double check. Yep. Um, so that's cool. But the, the initial setup to, to do it this way um, is going to take uh, definitely take a little bit longer. Uh, the other one that I, I'm not 100% on, they do give you um, a method for, because it has that true spirit level in it, it you can completely vertical the main shaft which does allow you to do one method of a CG check. Um, I don't personally care for that. I think it's way more time consuming than it's worth. 
Um, I always hold mine up sideways by the head and check. Wow, it out. they really thought of everything. No, they did, and that's that's what's so awesome about it. I mean, and they just go into such detail. It's the the instructions aren't just here's how to use the tool. It's it's almost to the point where it's like I'm going to tell you how to use this tool and set up your helicopter too, all at the same time. So kind of a tell you how to set it up and why at the same time. Yes, it, it is, and the, and they really went out of their way to do that. I've never mm-hmm. seen any other tool that has you know not just said here's how to use this tool, but here's actually how to perform the test on which you can use it for. I can really respect that because I like that too when I'm building a helicopter. I don't necessarily worry too much about it, like Nick said, when I'm at the field. Mm-hmm. But when I'm just building and I'm in my room, in my heli room, in my trailer, I, you know what? Taking that time, that's part of the fun, isn't it? For me, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and with with precision comes an expected amount of increased time that you have to put into it. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. And I, I don't want people to... That's why I say it all depends on the situation. You know, like... Uh, Dan, in your case, where you're you're rocking all 700 class helis, right? Mm-hmm. You, you'll never have to, if you use that gauge at home, you're never going to have to unbolt it. It's always going to stay in the same spot. But if you had a constant rotation and you were flying, crashing a 450, flying, crashing a 500, 600, it, it's going to be expected that you're going to have to take this thing apart and put it back together. Now, I should also mention, though, that they do, the way that this Vel, uh, Velcro strap is set up, it actually has a hole in it, and on the bottom of the helical, um, the surface that you would uh, remove the head button and bolt it down to on the top of the head button, mm-hmm. they that that surface that sticks out there actually fits through that hole in the Velcro strap. So what you can do, if you do want to use this out at the field, you do not have to bolt the gauge to the helical. You can take that Velcro strap, and it's actually made to strap all the way around it quickly and hold huh. it all together so that you can nice. use it. And I tried it that way, and it was, I mean, definitely sturdy enough. If they wouldn't have put that hole in the strap, it'd be a little sketchy. Right. But uh, they did. So that does work, which does cut down on time, you know, for field use. It's not like you can't use this out at the field. Um, but, yeah, a lot of versatility. And, and like you said, they were going for precision, and they nailed what they were going for. Just have that URL. Uh, yes, it is www.soco, S-O-K-O, dash heli, dash tools.com. We would just like to thank those guys for trusting us with a review, and uh, we look forward to working with them more in the future and um, look forward to soon having the written review be released. Yep. That should be out soon. It uh, will be up on the website by the time you guys hear this. Actually, yeah. All righty. Before nice. we go into our topic, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so just so we don't run long and we don't get it in. So we had, uh, you know, Bert did uh, some coverage from a uh, F3C competition in Australia. Um, he went ahead and the following week went to another, and it's the Australia Speed Cup. So I'm going to go ahead and play his uh, interview right now. It's not a very long one. We'll go ahead and play that, and uh, we'll be back right after this. G'day, RC Heli Nationers. Looks like we're at it again. 
reporting for the nation on the Australian Speed Cup at the Keelor and District's Model Aircraft Club today. And man, it's friggin' hot. 32 degrees, or about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. We've got Banshees, Logos, Kasamas, Aligns, and lucky for us, Dan, I can't see any compasses, mate. Anyway, let's track down Craig Cahill and get the rundown on what's happening here today, guys. Be right back. Well, guys, I've tracked him down. Craig Cahill, how you going? Good, thank you. Welcome, thank you. To, welcome to the nation, mate. Yeah, thank you. Bloody hot today, isn't it? It is. It's supposed to hit about 34 today. Oh, right? God, mate. I'm sweating like an animal out yeah. here, mate. Anyway, tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into the hobby, that sort of thing. Well, I started off with a $50 Kmart special that lasted about, you know, five minutes. Did we all, mate? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, um, the old Raptor 30 was my next one. Oh, yeah? And... Um, Lots and lots of crashes, lots of parts. and You still got it? Uh, no, no. I went through half a dozen Raptors. Oh, Raptors God, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, moved on to the T-Rexes. Uh-huh. And now my, my love of hell is, is all the German ones, the Henslets. I've got a, now got a Banshee. Oh, wow, got okay. A, a few Mikados. There's a few Banshees out here today, yeah, isn't there? Three, three out of the five in Australia. So. Oh, mate, okay. How, tell me, how long's the Speed Cup been running here? Uh, two years. Um, it started by... The Horobo Cup, which was the same day three years ago, yeah, um, got washed out. The field was actually flooded by about two metres of water. Oh, really? So we moved locations to here, yeah, and um, the wind was about 40 kilometres an hour winds. Mm-hmm. So a few of us got our TDRs out and started doing speed runs, and the crowd really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so that's where we got the idea to, to start a speed so cup. This, and this is the only speed cup running in Australia now, that's is it? That's yeah. right, I yeah. thought so, yeah. yeah. Um, is it growing in popularity every year? Well, we're only two years into it. Um, the last year, I think, because it was new, there was a lot of people here, a lot of spectators. This year, I think there's more competitors. Yeah, it's yeah. A little bit more competitive, but probably a little bit less Yeah, there's, spectators. there's a few pilots out here today, yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And tell me, how, how are you actually measuring the runs? What sort of equipment are you using? How is it actually set up to do the measurements? Well, we're using a radar gun. So it's a speedball camera gun. Yeah. Um, like a normal car radar, but more designed for um, the tennis and stuff like that. Right. So it's exactly what they use at the tennis. Um, we've set the gun up on a baseball setting. Yeah. And it's aimed about five degrees up. Uh-huh. And... Um, it just traps the helis as they fly through. And so what height do the helis have to come in before the radar will actually pick, pick them off? Anywhere about 10 to 15 metre off the off the ground. Yeah. Um, and it, it registers peak hold. Uh-huh. So as the heli flies through it, it'll just pick the highest speed and display that. Oh, great. And I'll, I'll just sort of, just for our um, Heli Nation viewers, I'll just describe what I'm seeing here. To, to the um, uh, west, we've got a, a really deep, uh, ravine um, and the helis are coming in from the west going out to the east and doing their runs with the wind wind behind them I yep. guess alright okay um, and tell me what sort of classes are being run here today what sort of well, uh, sizes we, we made all the classes on blade size because um, last year we had a few contestants that put you know 690 blades on a or 600 blades on a you know, 90 size heli. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So we thought the rules, we wanted to keep the rules very simple. Right. And make it more of a fun day, a bit of a, you know, a bit of banter between friends. You sure? Rather than a, a full-on competition day. Yeah, So yeah. We, we broke it up into blade sizes. All right. So we got like the 300 to 400 electric. Yeah. You know, they ran the 400 to 500 electric and um, all the way up to the 680, 720 nitro. Oh, okay. And the 600, 720 electric. Uh-huh. Which, the, that seems to be the, the class that's doing all the high speeds. Oh, Okay. 
And we've got the 730 and above for anyone that rolls up with a you know logo 800 or something. Oh like right, that. okay, so, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, the 800s are starting to show up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Okay. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time. No, Thanks thank for you. speaking to the nation, and uh, and hopefully um, uh, we'll catch you soon and enjoy the rest of your day, mate. All right, thank you. Great. Thanks, mate. Well, guys, I'm now joined with a mate of mine, Luke Annells. How you going, Luke? Yeah, very good, thank you. Good, thanks for joining the nation, mate. Tell us a little bit about um, about yourself, how you got into the hobby, that sort of thing. Uh, well, I'm 25 years old. I'm sponsored to fly uh, helicopters for Arc RC in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been flying for a very long time. Actually, I probably started when I was 12 or 13, um, but I was flying aeroplanes. Right, um, okay. I initially started with gliders and uh, I was quite into slope soaring. Right. When I lived in New Zealand, we used to slope soar all day long. You were Kiwi, uh, are you, mate? Uh, no, I'm actually South African. Oh, right, so, okay, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, but I lived in New Zealand for 10 years. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I've just always been really keen on RC stuff. I don't know what it is about it. but. And, um, and, how, and what, what made you do the transition from um, planes to helis? Um, I just, I'm an engineer by trade, so I sort of, I've always been really interested in the mechanics as well as sort of flying. Right. So once the electric heli sort of, you know, made a uh, big leap into the market, that's when when my interest really took off with it. So I got my first heli. At the time, I couldn't afford it, and um, so I just sort of did what I could. Um, It wasn't really until the advent of Smack Talk, RC, that my flying really took a a big leap in... um, and skill level, I guess you could say, but oh, okay. uh, I think a lot of people today forget, well, just don't know straight off the bat, I mean, how important the basics are. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I'm an instructor as well for helis, and uh, yeah, so I like to sort of pass it's, all that stuff it, on. It's really picking up here in Australia, isn't it? It is, yeah, it's... it's it's on fire. Oh, it's that's the latest craze. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it's, great. It's a great now, now, what what's this I hear about you already breaking the record here today, mate? What's that, what's going on there? What was the story there? Uh, yeah, I did on my <laughs> second, second run with uh, the Banshee Heli. Uh, I got 151 miles an hour. That's uh, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, well, there are a few factors that play into it. But, yeah. You know, I think last year the weather wasn't that great, but you know it seems to be fairly windy today, and uh-huh. you know, so it's all subject to varying conditions. And, and and what about yourself? What are you flying these days? What sort of machines are you running? I'm flying the uh, SAB Goblin and the Kasama Dune 600. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that's a really nice looking heli, I reckon. Which the, one? The Dune. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, some of the design features are, you know. Amazing. How long have they been in Australia? Because uh, I remember they were only just sort of Believe mentioned a couple of maybe months ago. Maybe six weeks or something. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. not that long. Yeah, not that long. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and of the different types of helis you've flown over the years, how, how basically does does one compare to another from the pilot's skill point of view? Yeah, it's there's a lot of grey area there. I mean, you do have your cheaper entry-level helis, like the Align helis, and they are very good, despite what people say. I mean, they're affordable, and... They do fly well. They're a real workhorse, aren't they? But, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to pilot skill and, you know, having your basics, be able to control the heli. I mean, yeah. it's, you see, you know, there's a lot of uh, chatter on the forums these days, like Align helis are, you know, no good, yeah. especially with the cheaper ones. But, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, I don't mean to be, like, insulting or anything. No, no, no. probably don't have, like, the skill level to be able to judge something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's basically, you know, you can buy a decent sort of 700E these days and you can become like a top 3D pilot with that thing. Yeah, it's pretty, um, yeah they're, they're, they're you know? real workhorses, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, the technology these days is amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I like to just say, you know, the efficiency, like with the advent of electricity um, for helicopters, yeah. it, efficiency is becoming very important. Mikado's also always sort of um, implemented that in the helis, but, you know, the new Kasama gear, like I'm getting 
seven-minute flight times at 2,200 RPM on my yeah, summer yeah. June. It's brilliant for practice, you know. It's, sure. You, you get four-and-a-half-minute flight times and you have to land. I mean, yeah, yeah. it makes it a bit hard, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's it, so. Now, um, RKC are sponsors here today, and you're yes. one of their reps, so give them a plug, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what are they contributing? How, how, tell us a little well, bit about RKC. Everyone sort of knows RKC in Australia. I mean, Aiden, who runs it, you know, is a top bloke, and he's always... He's really good at his customer service. Um, I think that's probably why he's so popular. I, 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 I well. met Aiden a couple of times down at the indoor flyover at uh, Donvale in Melbourne. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a top bloke, and the guys that work there, you know, everyone's sort of. It's just a top like bunch of guys, you know. It's a hobby yeah. store. He's got all the good gear there, and that. So. Look, not only not only from the guys that work at RKC, but generally overall, there's a real sort of like community banter going on between the, the heli sort of hobby in yeah, general. Yeah. The guys get along, they're all sharing, they're all helping each other yeah, out yeah. and it's great to see. It isn't is, it? yeah. It's an amazing hobby. Yeah, amazing people. It really, so. I should have got into it years ago, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Luke, thanks a lot for okay. your time, mate. Thanks for the, to speaking to us on The Nation no and uh, good luck for today, mate. Okay, thanks, Bert. No worries. Thanks, Bert. Cheers. Right, everybody, I'm now joined with uh, Sean Kane, a.k.a. Radar, on the Australian Forums. G'day, Sean. How you going, mate? Yeah, really good, Bert. Good. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what 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 suckered you into this crazy hobby, mate? Um, I won't get into the full story, but basically a good friend of mine wanted to chase birds off his boat. Yeah. And helicopters was the idea to do so. so oh, OK. We started with the little ones and got into the big ones, but... We got sucked in by the 3D. Yeah, uh-huh, okay. We, we still haven't chased those birds off the boat yet. <laughs> no time for it now, mate. <laughs> no, eh? yeah, okay. And um, uh, how long you been flying overall now? Uh, I started in March of, I'm not sure what year it was, but um, coming up next year will be three years. Three years, so, yeah. okay. And um, you're uh, you're part of the RKC sponsorships here today, I hear. Yeah, we're, I used to work at RKC, still still have a lot to do with them. And yeah. th- this year we're, we're the main uh main sponsor of the event for the cup yeah yep so and mate great prizes tell us a little bit about what prizes you put up on offer for the winners we've got some good prizes the the casima june helicopter uh 600 which has only just been released is Uh the major prize um valued at around 900 dollars. it's a nice looking machine it is very nice yeah flown by sponsored pilot james dargue oh yeah um, Gavin Broadbent, we've got a good reputation with him uh-huh. um, in Thailand from yeah. Casima. Yeah. So that's how we kind of came about that. And also, we're giving away an E5 Synergy. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Um, RKC is the distributors in Australia for Synergy helicopters and also Casima. Uh huh. So that, that's the reasoning for the, the sponsorship. Uh, now is it Casima or Kasama? Well, every, <laughs> this is a good question. Everyone, yeah. everyone always said um, Kasama, Kasama. But one, once Gavin had moved over to Thailand and, and spoke to Mr. Kasama. He's Kasama. Yes, his name is Kasama. So there you go, Dan. It's Kasama, not Kasama, <laughs> mate. Oh, well, you'll learn something new every day. Now, um, you're the founding organiser for the Positive Pitch Funfly, which um, is is currently the largest heli event in Australia. And that's, that's held where? Down at the Freestyle Flyers in Melbourne, is that right? Yeah, Freestyle Flyers in Melbourne. That's um, my home field. Uh-huh. So, and, and actually, how big is it getting now? It's, the, um, it's uh, looking pretty good. We've, had, we've only had our first first event. It's it's going to become annual. So next year, the, the dates are set in. We've got a, a good Facebook following page for that. Also, we have Gavin Broadbent came down last year. Uh, Red Bull was the main sponsor. Wow, yeah. So we, had, we had a big Red Bull tent, which became the DJ and charging station uh-huh. for the event. Yeah. Uh, on the on the Sunday, we hold the Positive Pitch 3D Cup. Right. Which are Luke and L's Crud Bucket. Yeah, yeah. 
for those of you. That yeah, we just yep. we just spoke to Luke, Luke, Luke okay. before. Okay, he, yeah. he he won the three D event followed uh, followed by um, Hamish Scott who flies for JR right. from Adelaide. Yeah, and then after that, I think it was Gavin Broadburn himself came third. From look, Henry, it's so. interesting because um, I, I was at recently at the. Um, uh, at the F3C Championships, yeah. uh, and I was speaking to the Australian uh, team, and it, it dawned on me um, later on that you know one of them has to come from Brisbane, mm-hmm. one has to come from Adelaide, yeah. the other one's from from Sydney, and and just I mean Australia's a big place, mate. You really need to be keen to want to traverse all these huge distances to get together. But the guys are doing it. That's what's even more amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think once you get involved and. It- and you really suck it into this hobby, yeah. you know, you, you just have to go. Distance to isn't a factor yeah, it's anymore. Not a, it's not a factor. And yeah. you establish so many good friends in different states, so you want to catch up with them every time you can. Sure, and, yeah. And it's a good it's a good party, and we get together and have a bit of a beer afterwards. So. All right. Well, listen, Sean, thanks a lot for all your time today, mate, and thanks for um, putting aside time speaking to the nation. It's a great turnout, great event, and thanks for all your help today, mate. No worries, Bert. Good to meet you, and I uh, look forward to hearing the nation. No worries. Thanks, mate. Well, guys, moving right along, I've got uh, a very special guest here today, uh, Michael Vesper, known as Helicraze on the forums all over the world. Um, Michael, g'day, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you going? Good, mate. Tell us a little bit about um, how you got into the hobby, how long you've been flying, just some general stuff about, you know, what got you involved. Um, well, probably about four years ago, we were at a barbecue and, I don't know, things were winding down. I was a little bit bored, so I jumped on eBay and thought, I don't know. I'll just order a few things, grab a couple of cars, a couple of planes, a couple of helis, and yeah. got bored of the cars pretty quick. Yeah. The planes I just smashed and got pretty bored of. <laughs> right. And the helis was the only thing that sort of kept me interested. Oh, okay. Reason. Yeah. Oh, great. And, yeah. um, mate, these Banshees, they're freakishly fast. Why? They are. Um, I think basically number one is aerodynamics. It's got the most narrowest profile of only 100 millimeter width. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and like really low road ahead, and everything's just very, very compact. So they're specifically designed for that speed factor, aren't they? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and and I mean, you've flown lots of lots of other models. How how do they actually compare mechanic wise and design wise? Um, well, basically, I think the goal of the Banshee team was really to make something that was sort of unbreakable, because a lot of other helicopters, you came to like the mechanical limits, like gears were stripping or gears would melt or okay you know so basically they wanted something that they could throw the biggest you know most powerful motor in uh-huh. they didn't have to worry about the drive line right um and yeah they've certainly achieved that so. uh-huh. oh for sure <laughs> yeah and tell me um do you think with your experience flying banshees for a while now and stuff that you've had before is there any one sort of major difference in the banshee that sort of makes it stand out as far as these speed runs and, and getting that punch speed um i think it's really the aerodynamics and just how strong it is mechanically uh-huh i think that's that's the two that, things that, really. that, that that's a tricky thing yeah. and mate how fast can they actually go i mean do you know any, have you got any figures about you know the, the ultimate speed that you think that they'll be able to achieve in, 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 in soon yeah well they've got they've got an fai um official recognised world record and I don't I can't remember exactly but I think it's around 240k an hour that's an average speed that's phenomenal they go through a time trap yeah but the unofficial peak speed I'm fairly certain they got 299 Uh so they've they've almost cracked 300 but that was on 16 cell and a hand wound 5035 motor right 
But, um, yeah, that, that sort of speed is just <laughs> insane, really. Yeah. And, okay, so you're talking about a heli that's got a very low um, profile as far as um, aerodynamics. Yeah. How does that transfer to the actual pilot? How does the pilot um, adjust to flying something moving along that fast? I mean, being so aerodynamic, it's good, but I think once you reach a certain speed, yeah. um, you know, a lot of pilot skill becomes involved and, you know, you're set up as well. Things become more critical the faster you go. So That's right. So in, in regards to your skill and the angle that you come in. And, re- and, and shortened uh, reaction times, etc. Yeah, yeah, like you've got to be really on the ball and, you know, uh-huh. it might look simple, but... It's quite, um, yeah, it's quite nerve-wracking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, mate, I saw, I saw some fast passes <laughs> that would make your heart flutter today, yeah. mate. And one other thing, today, it's pretty hot, mate. It's about yep. 36 degrees yep. Celsius out here. How does that affect the performance? You know, are you going to see expansions in the belts and that sort of thing, and you need to constantly adjust? No, um, no apparently not. I actually asked that exact question to the Banshee guys, and they said, they said that they haven't had any issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only thing... That I've sort of noticed. I, I I have a theory. I don't know if it's true, but I think when it's a bit cooler, um, the heli performs a bit better. It might be something to do with air density or something. But oh, okay. that's just my own sort of little theory. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm I'm pretty sure there's something um, yeah. uh, that, that that has a good basis for what, why you're yeah. thinking that way. They are. That's that's um, uh, unreal. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thanks, Mike, for talking to the nation. It's been a great pleasure. No good worries. luck for the rest of today. Hopefully, it won't get too damn hot, mate. Thanks very much. All right. Good catching up with you. And cheers. Thank you. No worries. Oh, well, guys, it looks like this mind and body is willing, but my iPhone is weak because it keeps overheating um, and shutting itself off in this heat. And since it's only 1.30 in the afternoon, I reckon it's just going to get worse, I think. So wrapping up the day anyway, um, so far, here are the current results. In the 300 to 400 electric class, 87 miles an hour is the highest speed so far in a Protoss. Um, 410 to 520 electric class, 110 miles an hour, also in a Protoss. Uh, 530 to 650 class electric, 128 miles an hour in a June. Uh, June 600. Uh, next one, 530 to 650 nitro, 77 miles an hour in a, in a Aeolus. And 680 to 720 class electric, 150 miles an hour in a Banshee. Well, the final results will get posted up on the Arc Heli forums, guys. So please feel free to check them out later on. Thanks, guys. It's been great. Bird here reporting for RC Heli Nation in Australia, and man, is it hot. appreciate the fact, Bert, that you took the time to do that for us. We love to hear from various parts of the world because we are one big community. And as I've said before, if, if you're interested, guys, in, in sharing some of this stuff with us, get in touch with me at dan at rcalienation.com and uh, we'll talk. I'll kind of tell you what we're looking for. And and if you go want to go get some audio, send it to me. We'll take a listen and hopefully be able to use it. So just get in touch with me if you're interested in doing something like that. All righty. So we're going to kind of continue along with last week's episode. I got We got a lot of feedback from last week's episode. Um, sometimes we forget that there are quite a few new people in the hobby. And um, 
we're going to kind of continue on with that conversation. And this is going to be, we're going to call this part one of two of what we're going to talk about here. And we're going to kind of move on from last week. We talked about picking the right helicopter and finding a place to fly and things to consider in those, in those decisions. Now we're going to focus on training and learning how to fly. And uh, we're going to go along the assumption that you've, you've basically started hovering and now you're looking to expand that flight envelope to some slow forward flight, some circuits, those kind of things. And a big question that we get, of course, Sims will be part of this conversation. We're going to hold that off till next week. But a big question we get is training with a buddy box. It's kind of, it's, it's a tough one because a lot of people are really afraid to be the guy responsible for not allowing your friend's helicopter to crash by being the guy holding the master radio. And you just don't really know what to do. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And before we get into it, I actually want to relate a story that, um, uh, some advice rather that Nick gave me when I started buddy boxing ed, I was, I really was, it was a, it was a huge, I don't want to say burden, but it was a weight on my shoulder. Like, man, I really feel like, like I'm being looked at to be the guy that saves this helicopter from crashing. Well, in reality, you're not. You're the guy that increases the odds that the helicopter is not going to crash dramatically. But you cannot guarantee. So you cannot guarantee that the helicopter is not going to crash because you just never know what situation you're going to end up in. That being said, before you decide to go this route, whether you're the trainee or the trainor, you both really need to talk about that aspect of it because how awkward can that get, do you think? Mm -hmm. If you're sitting there with your friend and you think, well, he's here to not make me not crash and your friend that's doing the buddy box says, oh my God, I hope I don't crash. And then all of a sudden you crash and then there's some (laughs) uneasiness there as to what happens next. So I'm going to kind of relate my experiences because I did a lot of buddy boxing over this summer. Of course, with Ed, we've talked about it before. And I had um, my initial thought when Ed was just starting to hover was um, just I've got a different approach now based on what I learned from Todd Bennett. But initially, I think a common, and I don't know if it's a bad thing to do, but it probably isn't the best thing to do, is I always just held forward elevator and positive collective. Uh, Assuming that should the helicopter lose control, at least I know it'll climb. And based on its orientation, at least I know it'll go forward. And he was just doing tail and hovering at the time. So that was the predominant orientation you're saying when you are on the master transmitter when i'm right on the, when i'm on the master and i'm holding the trainer switch yep. i would just uh, hold a uh, almost full, you know full collective or full pitch full positive mm-hmm. pitch and just a little bit of forward elevator assuming that it was going to be hovering and initially it was just going to kind of be drifting towards us too much so it would go up and away from us immediately yeah he was hovering tail in probably yeah and that was the, the tail in that was the prominent position but here's what i found as we as we moved along, was he was starting to venture into some forward flight circuits, 
you know, bank turns, those kind of things. And this is where I found, for me anyway, flying at an elevation is a huge asset. And that kind of means you got to approach the buddy box a little bit differently. Uh, and ultimately, I found, for me, the most relaxing way to buddy box is just simply hold the collective or the, the pitch at mid. Yep. yep. And, and then I, I couldn't help but notice as Ed was flying, I couldn't help but notice that I was kind of following his collective movements. Mm-hmm. And whenever he would start going off track, I noticed that I was actually doing what I thought he should have been doing. So if I needed to take over, all I had to do was let go. And boom, there it was. It was doing what it should have been doing. Yep. So, so I know, Nick, you've done a lot of buddy boxing. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on buddy boxing? Um, I've got a pretty, uh, I love it. I think it does take, well, to, to reiterate, kind of to expand on what you kind of opened with there, there is no, <laughs> you're not the guy that's going to keep it from crashing. Right. So, so if, if you think that, and if the guy who owns the helicopter thinks that, then don't do it. Don't even put yourself in that situation. He is going to go out there, fly, and crash. That is going to happen when he is learning. All you're there to do is to help reduce the risk. That's it. And that's what you really have to tell yourself. You know what? If I don't buddy box, <laughs> this dude's going to drive it in. So it's going in anyway. All you're doing is prolonging it. And once you get that in your mind, it does take a lot of that stress off. Um, communication is, oh my gosh, it is so key, it's not even funny. I actually have a really, really funny, for me, story. Um, I was buddy boxing a friend of mine, Lynn, right right when I started buddy boxing. And uh, so we're out there and this was, you know, kind of like our first shot and and I had my DX7. And those of you who have ever tried to buddy box on a DX7 know that it is the biggest pain in the ass. Yes, indeed. It sucks. Because of the way that they have the trainer switch. And if anyone is interested, I'll put a tech tip up on the website. I'll make Jesse take his apart. Yeah. And, still, yeah. Take and some pictures, put it up there. Show take you guys some pictures mod. because, yeah, I, we I came up with a mod for a remote switch for the trainer on a DX7. Just for this. It, it, it pretty much puts it in the spot where the DX8's at. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So so me and him are out there, and he's just kind of cruising around, you know. And what I'm not realizing is because the switch has such an uncomfortable position, Dan, I was trying to do what you were talking about, which is mimic his flying. You know, I, I'm going along kind of, okay, well, he's going this way. All right, so we're going this way. And at some point, uh, it, the heli kind of comes off of both of our right shoulder. He turns around and looks at me, just looks me square in the eye and goes, you got it? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, and, and I looked away from the heli and I looked at him. I'm like, I, no, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> we are carrying on a conversation. You know, he's like, I don't got it. I'm like, I don't got it. And all of a sudden, I see in the background this 600 come just hauling by, <laughs> all knife edge and everything. And then all of a sudden, I kind of went, whoa, 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 like this, snapped out of it. And luckily, it didn't crash. What had happened is my finger was, it was so awkward to hold. I had slowly let off pressure. Yeah. 
Yep. And had yeah. taken back over control and didn't even know it. Um, so we learned something very important that day that A, neither person ever takes their highs off the helicopter under no circumstances. And by the way, we were in tears. We were laughing so hard. I mean, because it's just humiliating on both ends. But, uh, and the other rule is you have to constantly communicate. It is, and you never, ever, when you are the one with the master transmitter, never feel ashamed to take it away from them, ever. I, I, will, I, mean, I will say one thing about that, though. I think it's very important, and you might have been just heading into this. I also think it's really important when you do take it over to let them know immediately that you take oh, it over yeah. because yes. it'll build, it'll build a, I almost want to say, I see initially with Ed, I was, I was like, I'm not really saying anything. Uh, and it almost started to build bad habits with him because he thought he was, was doing it. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yep. no, no, no. It's like, no, got it. I'll just say, got it. I'll take it away. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty aggressive with my buddy boxing. We're not going to go out there and laugh much. I mean, if I'm going to, I don't, this might sound a little rude, but if I'm going to take the time to buddy box you, then you are going to learn how to fly. <laughs> and we're going to do it like drill sergeant style. And well, I don't. And quite frankly, I think that's the way you got to do it. Because what I find is when you do start getting too comfortable, whether you're the buddy, whether you're the trainer or the trainee, um, you start joking around and talking, and then that's when stuff starts to go wrong. Right. That's yeah. when your your reflexes are um, are slowed, and you're getting through that last sentence, or you're you know you're chuckling to yourself, or at you know at your buddy, and you don't take it over when you are supposed to, or you know you're you're just you're not paying attention, you're not focused. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, you know, definitely. that that you guys both hit on good points, Dan and Nick, and, and what it comes down to. I'm just, you know, going to summarize pretty much what you guys said, which is it comes down to expectations and making sure that both people's expectations are aligned. Just like you said, if you're the person that's going to get trained, you're the trainee, you need to understand that your expectation of the person who is on the master controller is not it's not god mode they're not always going to save your heli they're going to reduce the risk yeah. and if you are the trainer you have to you have to have uh, appropriate expectations of what the trainee is going to do so talk before you guys even spool up yeah. the heli what are we going to work yeah. on yeah and so when you start to get more familiar with that person's areas of comfort versus discomfort in terms of maneuvers or orientations or lighting, then you can start as a trainer to anticipate, okay, I'm going to probably have to pull control away um, and, and vice versa for the trainee. They can, they can give you that heads up. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, it's, you have to find out what do they want to get out of it. If they yeah. say, well, I, I want to work on, I don't really know. That's the most common one I get. Well, I don't, I don't know. What should I do? Okay. Well, guess what? Now you're going on a training regiment and I'm going to make you cry. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, then, I think the main thing is um, like, like you were saying, Nick, we, what do you want to get out of it? And I think for most people, the goal is, I mean, we're buddy boxing so that hopefully they can be able to fly on their own and do these maneuvers on their own. Mm -hmm. So I think like one of the main things while you're buddy boxing is to remind yourself, it's not a 
substitution. I mean, it's not a it's not a free for all like Justin was saying. It's not a god mode. It's not. Yeah. Oh well, you know, so and so's buddy boxing me. I'm going to go out and try some double pyro flips while I'm just doing you know stall turns and circuits on my own. I mean, yeah. I just and also think you got to keep it in perspective as well because I you're think buddy boxing to be able to fly on your own. That's you don't exactly be buddy right. boxing forever. Your ultimate yeah. goal is to get the fuck off the buddy box. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. It's not you don't yes. want to be stuck buddy boxing forever. So sometimes people just need that, and we've uh, me and Jesse have done that the few times oh, yeah. that you, I have buddy. You boxing. saved my heli. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe. But other times it was, dude, I really, really want to try like half pair of flips. And he'd yep. been practicing them on the sim, up, down, left, and right. But it's just that fear. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. God, I, ca I can't believe I'm actually just going to try this. And it was, he doubted himself. And it's like, well, dude, I'll just throw you on the buddy box and just do them. And, yep. and it was very casual. I didn't have to say anything. All I did was just stand there and, and play catch if I needed See, and, to. And that was the, a point where I was at that level. And I mean, yeah, it went, it went completely fine. I wasn't trying to do it anything It went smooth. He, it was like, dude, really? Why am I even standing here? We never did it again after that. And he didn't have a problem. Right. So that, that's, that's a really good tool that the buddy box can be used for too. It's just to help you get over that. That confidence. Yeah, that confidence. All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about some specific things that a trainer can do. And I've got a couple things that I did with Ed because ultimately what you're looking to do and, and what you'll notice as a train, as the person holding the master radio, you're going to notice that the guy that you're helping when you're hooked up to his radio can just fly so much better than he can on his own. Well, that's just a confidence thing. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to instill some confidence, but let me let me talk about some things physically that, that I do with Ed when I'm buddy boxing him, just for consistency's sake. For example, I always try to uh, maintain an altitude, and when I'm handing the helicopter off, I try to hand it off to Ed in relatively the same position I always hand it to him off. In other words, I always bring it back in front of us at about 30 to 50 feet, and that gives him the confidence to know he's familiar with this. He he's he's comfortable with this. And as you as your buddy boxing gets better, if you decide to continue to buddy box, then maybe you can try some other stuff. But I think that's a good way to start. I don't know what you guys think about it, but for us it seemed to work because Ed always knew that if the helicopter was way off to the side or way off and I've had to take it over, he could relax, take a breath. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna put it up in front of us and it's gonna be at an altitude. And I give him a countdown. I say, are you ready? And he said, yep. And I just give him a short countdown, three, two, one, and boom, it's his. And there he goes. He has it. And it's in that same comfortable position. And then he can go about trying what he was trying to do. That's mm -hmm. exactly how I do it as well, Dan. Um, I've, I've worked on and off with a couple of friends um, in my area. And it's always the same exact location. And it's always about or as close to the same altitude as possible. And I think that's that's another key point is um, a, a lot of people when they're starting are afraid to get the heli up high because they get a different perspective when they're looking up from underneath it. Um, and so they tend to not control the altitude on the upper end. They always bring it down closer. Um, if it gets too far out of my comfort zone and everyone's got their own comfort zone, I'll take it away from them and bring them right back up and start them at the same location all over again. Yep. 
And eventually it gets burned into their head. I mean, when I, you know, another thing we talk about communication is when, when I know that the person is sort of kind of losing focus or going down a quote unquote dirt road, if you will, I'll say, okay, reset. I'm not going to take it from them, but go back up to where we always start over your left shoulder, a hundred feet up, tail in, start the circuit. I also think it's important to, to, um, to let let them as tough as this might be because it does put a little stress on you kind of let them fight the helicopter on occasion um you got to be you really have to assess your situation before you do this i mean not, i'm certainly not mm-hmm. suggesting but you know part of what we do to learn the, to fly these things is we we learn to fight the helicopter and essentially we stop fighting it and work with it because the helicopter's telling us what it wants. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you, you know, and that's kind of the fine line, like as Nick said, don't be afraid to take it from them. But if you are comfortable and you've been buddy boxing this person for a while, you kind of know when maybe you just need to let them hold on a little bit longer. Because when they, when they go into a, I don't want to say a save, but for them, it's a save. For us, maybe it wouldn't have been a save. It's just, kind of out of whack that instills a huge amount of confidence oh yeah because all of a sudden they're like wait a minute i got i got this look i just i, I was, just did that yeah I, and all by my, yeah. so that is huge too because that's yeah. really what we're trying to do give these give these guys confidence and maintain and we've kind of said it a few times but maintain a structure uh i know sometimes i know ed especially he would get bored and he would say can i just go Fly fast once, and you know, cut the guy some slack. Yeah, I said, all right, let's. I'll set you up for a fast flyby, and yeah. let you, and let you take it and let you feel it, and I won't let you go. I'll let you go straight by us, and I'll take it when it gets to the other side and bring it back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just gotta have fun with it too. Yeah, definitely. And don't be afraid to push. I mean, if you're, yeah, if if you're the master and you're out there to really help them progress, I've always kind of taken the attitude where I'm going to try and push you. You can't stop. You can't really stop like if you were the one in control. That makes sense. I mean, we can never stop flying until it's on the ground. You can't take a break. It doesn't work like that. Right. So if they lose it, I'll snag it, reset it as quickly as possible. I mean, I'll, I'll reset it as quickly as I possibly can. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Again, three, two, one. It's all yours. Go this and you put them right back in there so if they did get that whole pucker up and i I mean i guess that's the advantage the more skilled um of a of a master that you become you can let them get lower which will pucker them up even more right i mean i love doing that i'll snag it right off the deck (laughs) they they think it's going in (laughs) that that's that's something else i want to mention as tempting as this is guys and believe me it's tempting because i did it I just couldn't. I just could not do it. Oh I had God, to. God, you did not do. When you have somebody and they're flying and everything's going great, to just do something really crazy like, like full negative <laughs> and like all the way right aileron and let go of the trainer switch. <laughs> you know? Oh man! And, then, and you just wow, you, you just man, see him that. like Ed. It was funny with Ed because when he when he was flying and things were going well, he um, his shoulders were just kind of normal. 
But as as things started to get a little hairy, you would see his shoulders kind of come closer to his ears and closer to his ears and close. And pretty soon his <laughs> neck was gone. <laughs> and I, you know, and Ed and I joke around with each other a lot. And the the thing is, is I wouldn't recommend doing that. But I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't bypass it. I had to. I only did it once or twice, and I know I'm a bad. I'm a bad, bad man. But all righty. So you know that's the thing with buddy boxing. Uh, it's really not hard to do, but yeah. go into it with the things we mentioned, and you know, make sure you both are under the complete understanding of what the possibilities are. Yeah, because. You, you have cannot to. be too safety conscious when it comes to the setup on it. I mean, you just, yeah, you have to just yeah, be double check that the on first, the bench, like over yeah. and over. <laughs> oh yeah, check it on the bench over and over. Put it way up high. the The very first time you go to switch it over, I mean, be ready to snag it back very, very quickly, uh, in case you let go of that trainer switch and you know it goes full ride aileron. Ultimately, I've found that if you want a buddy box, the best thing to do is just have two identical radios because then it's just kind of a flawless event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, you can struggle through like we did initially. Ed actually ended up buying another DX8 just for buddy boxing because we were struggling so hard with my 9303 and his DX7 and we threw a DX6 in the mix and 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 various other radios and you know, you would get everything to work, but the elevator was always the wrong way and there was nothing you could do about it, those kind of things. And it's just tough sometimes. And you, you're thinking to yourself, well, these are all Spectrum radios. Why are we struggling? Well, sometimes that's just the way it is. And finding that combination can be tough. Um, it's, there, there's probably a fix for all of that stuff. I just have, didn't have the patience to find it. Yeah. And on top of that, I can't stress this enough. When you do hook up the buddy box, the pre-flight. Don't do it once. Don't do it twice. Do it three times. I mean, just because you just cannot be too sure. Have, you know, hold the buddy switch. Tell your friend to go full right aileron or full rudder. And then just see, make sure everything's matching up, which isn't that big of a deal, especially with the, you know, it's not like it used to be. Uh, Back when I was doing airplanes a long time ago, I remember, you know, buddy boxing was like, you got to, you got to adjust the trims. Everything has to be so perfect. Now with the computer radios, you set one to a master, one to slave, and it takes all the pitch curves and the trims off the master radio. Mm -hmm. And it just makes it a lot easier. Make sure you understand who's got, in different radios, you can actually program different functions here. So take the time to learn about it. But who's in control of the throttle? Right. Because yeah. that's something that we forget too. Like, you know, is the master need to be the one to switch up into idle up and hit throttle hold? Or is the slave going to be the one to do that? Just do your research when you're deciding what radios you're going to buddy box with. Make sure they work properly. And that just takes a little bit of time. And yeah, it can be a headache. Well, yeah. the other really important thing, thing there is that the people they get to fly with the transmitter they feel comfortable with that is a huge thing you know when you're learning any little thing that changes god you come up with every little oh i i, I don't got my blue drawers on today i got my green ones I'm, I'm it's throwing me off a little bit 
Yeah. You know, any any little thing that changes, stick tension is another one. I mean, good yeah. God. Me and Jesse found that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This is way different. Way different. And it, it completely throws you off. It does. And I got to yeah. tell you guys, that is the main reason Ed went ahead and just bought another DX8 so he could have two radios set up exactly the same because that he was doing that. We would go mm-hmm. to Buddy Box and he's like, oh, I just don't like the way this DX7 feels or I don't like the way this DX feels. And and then he didn't yeah, like the way my 9303 when, felt, you know. Yeah, because when you're buddy boxing, you the master has to have the transmitter that the heli is programmed to. Right. Yep. So potentially the person flying the heli is not using their own transmitter. If you're if you're buddy boxing someone else with their own heli. And here's another tip for those of you who are looking to be trained. If you're asking somebody to train you, do your homework. Show up with your radios hopefully you've got two or you've borrowed one from somebody or if he has one you can use go set it up try to set it up don't just assume that the guy that's going to train you just knows (laughs) because nine times out of ten they don't they're just willing to help you fly and that is so frustrating dude and bring an extra trainer cord and bring a manual and a manual. Thank you. Good God. There you I don't know go. how many people show up out at the field with this. Hey, you want to buddy box me? Sure, you bet. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm literally turning around and expecting them to have a helicopter, two transmitters, a cord attached between the two. They hand me the master. I quickly check it over. It's good to go. Oh, no. They'll be like, um, okay, so yeah, I've got this like, this Futaba 9CH, you know, that was built in like 1974. I mean, come on. I do not want, I don't mean to be rude, but I'll, I'll buddy box anyone, anyone. I don't even flinch at it, but don't, don't make me take the time. I don't want to learn about your busted ass transmitter. And, and besides that, guys, you got to understand from the perspective of the person that's buddy boxing you, it is truly a hassle to, Try to, uh, especially if you're dealing with a radio, you're not. Now, we can all kind of, you can pretty much hand, anybody who's experienced with radios and programming, you can pretty much hand them any radio, and they should be able to muddle through some programming. Mm -hmm. But not this stuff. This is not stuff that people generally just know. No, because you never do it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and furthermore, that's not the time to start learning about all the intricacies of a new radio when you're taking this guy's heli and the safety of yourself and the people around you into your hands. You want to be confident that you've got the setup nailed. Right. Okay. So that's a pretty good talk on Buddy Box. We we can keep beating a dead horse, but I think you guys get the picture, you know, just... Be respectful of somebody that is willing to take the time to do that. And in return, you're going to learn and you're going to build some confidence and possibly you're going to have, you're going to have a, a new really good flying buddy because yeah. everybody wants another flying buddy. Yeah, exactly. Shit, guys. I think I need to get a new charger. Well, hey, Dan, why don't you head over to Progressive RC and check out that new iCharger 4010 Duo that they got over there. Looks to be a powerhouse. And dude, while you're at it, check out one of his charger case combos as well. They're great looking. I know, man. Those things look sweet. I think I'm going to do that right now. www.progressiverc.com. Check them out for your charging needs. 
All right, guys. So we kind of talked about all the Buddy Box stuff, and, and it's fun to do. Give it a shot if you haven't. But realistically, a lot of us don't have the opportunity to be Buddy Boxed. Um, so we all have to either just go for broke, fuel that helicopter up because electrics don't exist in Dan's world. <laughs> and just it's a sad world. <laughs> <laughs> with fairies and unicorns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh throw that bad boy in the air and see what happens. Um yep. it's a tough yep. it's a tough way to go, but that's the way I did it. And it was an expensive route. Um so we're gonna talk about some things you can do. And of course we talked about the sim last week, and that's a given. We we've you know, we all understand and can appreciate that the sim is definitely gonna help you along this path. But now we're out at the field. And we've got the helicopter in front of us. We've got all of our stuff. And now we're actually going to fly. I don't know if the way I did it was the right way. But I figured for me, I kind of, do you guys remember that rad school of helicopter flight? Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. I, I, I read through that and I didn't, you know, it was kind of based on day one, this, you know. I didn't really like that approach. I, I did, however, get some stuff out of it. And I really, first of all, let, let's talk about the training gear. Blah. Blah. I know, it's, I, I know it's tempting, guys. I know it's super tempting. And I'm not certainly telling you that you shouldn't do it. But I'm, I got to tell you, what you're dealing with are two different monsters. You have a helicopter with a three-foot diameter training gear. And then you have one without. You've got two different, completely different feeling things on your hands. Yep. yep. And it can create bad habits. It can. Oh, and I geez. know it's just, it's that extra, well, it's not going to tip over and yeah, yeah. But when you get it in the air, you're going to, I mean, it's just, Ed tried that and it just caused all kinds of problems. So what I did, and I don't know if this is the good way to do it or not, but I found some pavement, a church parking lot in particular. And I would just get it, slowly advance the throttle. Of course, we're not into idle up yet. We're still dealing with normal mode, as most new people are. Slowly advance the throttle. You can feel the helicopter getting lighter. You can see it getting lighter. I put it in the air, and then I brought it back down. I just can kind of continue to do that a few times until I started getting a little comfortable. And eventually... I worked up the confidence to bring it into a hover. Now I know a lot of a lot you guys have all heard get it out of that that uh, three foot ground clearance. What the hell is that called? The ground effect. Ground effect. I yeah, I suppose, but I didn't have the confidence to do that, so I struggled with that. And I just learned to do short hopping hovers. And then eventually I built up the confidence and they just started getting longer and longer. And uh, that's that's how I brought the helicopter from the ground into the air. What'd you guys do? Um, no, I I did the exact same thing. I put well, except I did do this the training gear thing, and I slid it around on the concrete um, a lot until I got to where until I got to where I could pick it up, level, set a bag down, pick it back up, level, set a bag down, then I immediately took it off. Because like you could just tell it didn't like it didn't like it at all. You know, I'm actually going to amend my statement because if that's what you're going to do with the training gear, I don't see a problem with that initially. If your goal is to not necessarily get it in the air, but just kind of get comfortable with moving the helicopter around on the ground, just sliding it, mm-hmm. I don't see where that's a problem. 
I would suggest, though, if you're going to use them, get rid of them ASAP. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and in no. fact, I, I used them as well. And what I used it for, Dan, was just that was and I, I didn't even do the sliding. It was the whole getting over the fear of the unknown is, you know, when when you've never flown one of these before. Well, you know, how far up on the collective stick do I go before it actually flies? You right. know, yeah. when does it start getting light on the skids? So I used the training gear to feel that feel that out and to sort of understand that sensitivity. So I'd bring it up, I'd get it light on the skids, and you know how it'll start to kind of wobble and one skid'll come up, it'll pop back down. With the training gear, that's perfect because it's not gonna tip over, you're not gonna damage anything. And then like Nick said, you can slide it back and forth if you want to start to get a feel for the cyclic controls. But once I got past that, which was literally within like, you know, a couple of flights the same day, I pulled the training gear and actually started to try to hover the thing. So, Jesse, did Nick yeah. have you use training gear? So, I have to admit, I used training gear for probably way too long. <laughs> I mean, con- considering my first flight on a T-Rex 250, I hovered over half the battery without ever touching, having to set the heli back down. I mean, on the first flight. But for some reason, I kept the training gear on for probably 20 to 30 flights. Dude. I mean, uh, yeah. way, wow. too, way too long. <laughs> obviously, I mean, I never, I never crashed it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, ob- obviously way too long. I um, had no part at that, in it. At okay, that point, so we all know. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, at, th- at that point, I couldn't really, you know, pick out the negative tendencies or, you know, any of that stuff. It was just, yeah, it was and- just a battle. <laughs> And that's the that's the hard part about that, guys, is we can sit here and tell you there are negative tendencies, but but you have no reference, no frame of reference. And that doesn't yeah, exactly. what does that mean to you if you don't understand what that means? Yeah. And it's kind of a, I, I think it's more of just a mental thing, really, when it comes down to it, because just take my word for it, it sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. And don't try and learn to fly. So I take that okay, when we talked about crashing. I guess I really didn't include this. Learn on concrete. I know it sound, it's opposite of what you would think, right? If, if you're going to fly something bigger than a Nano, let's just say, or, or a, you know, like bigger than a 130. If you're going to try and fly a 130, you can crash it in the tall grass all day long and it won't get hurt. But with the training gear, use it on concrete because it slides. Yeah, yeah. That's the cool part. I did not do that in the first day um, I tried to fly in my backyard with training gear, and it was like every time I would just get it up a little bit, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. Sliding a little bit to the left, it'd hook a clump of grass and thunk, flip it over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And even without the training gear, Nick, I would say do it on concrete because yeah. at least then it slides. Because, you know, what, I, what I'll see a lot of people do is they'll get it up and they'll get so excited that they've gotten it up in the air that they don't realize it's drifting. So what's the first instinct you have when it's drifting? Holy crap, get it back down on the ground. And they they bury the collective. And the helis, the smaller helis at least, will take that if you slam them down, if you're not too far up. But if you're in grass, there's always going to be some sort of a sliding motion, and you're going to do exactly what you said. You're going to catch a clump of grass and tip it over, and that'll be the end. And also, let me say to this, take those... Silly, silly, silly heli tippers off your skids. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Those little rubber grommets. The rubber grommets. Oh, skid nuts. Uh, I finally come on. Skid got nut. Yeah, there you I go. Think. 
about a month ago, I finally pulled. I got to tell off, you so. who who convinced me to take those off. I was convinced you needed them. Every picture I saw, I had one. I was talking to Brian James at the time. Of course, he's now over in Illinois, but he was working for Heli Pros at the time. wasn't wasn't doing the um, uh, men air stuff yet, and I was ordering some of those. And he goes, "Dude, why are you buying Heli tippers?" So I never, I never. At that point, I was like, "Well, if Brian James from Heli Pros says I don't need them, then I guess I don't need them." So I hate them. Yeah. The only thing they're good for is working on a plastic table at home. That's it. So let's move on to, uh, we're getting comfortable with the hover. Now it's time to start working on on various things. And I guess initially, you know, the, the status quo of advice is, you know, figure out your orientations. All four upright orientations. Tail, side, side, nose pretty basic i don't even know if we really need to explain those um i think it's imperative that you not bypass any of those initially as as hard as that may seem to do so don't don't you know be mindful of those um orientations and don't don't rush through them and get them down i everyone knows that the first time you turn the heli in nose in uh it is nerve-wracking Yes. And you're not sure if it's actually going to work. Uh, you start to see that you're keeping it in one place and you get excited and then all hell breaks loose and you've got to get back to tailing as quickly as possible. What I found worked best for me, and I've provided this um, tip to, to other people, Ed included actually, Dan, at, at one of the uh, fun flies this year, is start out with your hovering okay, and get your tail in and your side-in orientations, and and to start, right, to get to side-in, most people talk about the 45-degree sides, right? So you turn the, the, the heli, so it's sort of at a 45 or so degree angle, so you start to get a feel for what it looks like on the side. Eventually, you can get to a full 90-degree side-in, um, but work those three orientations first, um, and then from there, if you are comfortable getting the heli up a little bit and moving it around side to side, um, what I recommend doing to get into actual flight, and and trust me, bear with me, there's a reason I'm talking about this in context to nose in, we'll get there, is um, to start out with the heli out in front of you and tail in, turn it to one side, forward elevator to about 20 or 30 feet away, and then back elevator to stop it. When it stops... Turn the tail 180 to the opposite side in, say left side in, and go 20 feet to your left, stop it, turn it 180 again, and keep doing that. Yep. You can you can start to get in, you can start to feel the circuit that way, but you're yep. not making smooth, coordinated turns yet. Uh, you're only focusing on uh, piecing together each of the three orientations that you've just learned. Once you're comfortable with that, and you're able to take it up a little bit higher, and you can feel the smoothness coming in, what you're going to find is that movement is almost always naturally going to start turning into some weird version of a figure eight. And I know a lot of people will say, don't try figure eights first before you actually try one directional circuits. But the reason I disagree is because, as you guys know, when you do a figure eight and you're coming, and I'm talking a tail end figure eight, right? So on either end of the eight, 
your tail is facing you. Mm -hmm. When you turn in towards the center of the eight to cross over, you have what amounts to about a 45 degree nose in orientation. And it's not nearly as scary as if you literally pick the heli up and flip it 180 degrees around from tail end to nose in and try to maintain that hover. Right. Um, it's a lot more stable because it's got some movement. Uh, it's yeah. got some speed. And you do a couple of those and then go and try nose in. And I think you'll find that you've you've already gotten it. Yeah, um, Justin, just to add on to what you're saying, how you're um, saying, you know, go to one side stop the heli. I think that's really key right there is I think this is the stage where you're really going to learn to have good control of the heli. I mean, you don't want to skip that. Bring the heli to a complete stop. Make sure you completely have control of the heli before you start going the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what, Jesse, what that also does is it reinforces each of those orientations. So instead of going to one side, stopping and quick flipping the tail around, play a little game. You go to one side, let's say you're going from left to right, so you're right side in, you stop 20 feet off your right shoulder and hold a right side in hover to 30. Then slowly rotate around to left side, hold a hover, and then go across from uh, right to left and do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. I just feel that's, that's when the, you know, having very good precise control of the heli, I mean, it really starts there. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And also, too, um, you know, as you're as you're going through these and you're learning how to do these, you've got to give yourself a break because what you're doing is, especially for us old guys, you're really taxing yourself. I mean, you don't know, you don't really think about it, but when you're you're trying to rewire essentially circuits in your brain to understand how to control the helicopter. So some relaxation things that you guys can do: taking a break between flights, get the flight in. Go sit down, talk to your buds, take a breath, drink a beer. No, I'm kidding. Don't don't do that. <laughs> oh, geez. here we go. You know, just just kind of relax and have fun with it. I mean, I I got to be honest with you guys. I don't really remember flying being all that fun back then. I, I wanted to do it, but it was really stressful. I'm with you on that, Dan. But I, I knew that I wanted to do it, so I continued to do it. And it's a real hard stage to get through, and some people don't. But get that flight in. Take a break. You know, let it sink in. Don't rush it because you're just going to ask for, for more problems. If you end up crashing, it just sucks. It really sucks at first because you generally don't have more than one helicopter at that time. Then you got to wait, and that's no fun, you know? Ultimately, guys, it's really important to really focus on these first few orientations. Yeah. The, the rest of the stuff, and kind of what we're going to talk about next week is um, we're going to kind of go into, um, you know, going into some forward flight, working on some maybe uh, upright or inverted orientations, and then I'm going to let these guys kind of go off on what they do to, because I'm certainly not at that level where I'm worrying about some of these 3D maneuvers or, you know, entry-level 3D, maybe, let's say. So we're going to talk about that some of that stuff next week. And on top of that, we're going to look at the flight simulators that we use. And um, these guys are going to uh, make available to you uh, some of the changes that they've made to their helicopters, 
Um, I believe you guys are even saying maybe even making those downloads available for people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The we can just files. upload the uh, actual sim file that you know we used to fly with every week. Yep. Yeah. And then this stage of the game, and and I know a lot of the listeners are past this. A lot of the listeners are just here. This is a real crucial time where you're either gonna <laughs> you're either gonna wash out because it's getting too expensive because you're crashing all the time, or you're just gonna kind of push through it and take your time. And some guys like these guys, 350 flights for a crash. Shit. I couldn't imagine going that long without a crash when I first started. Holy Christ. <laughs> but that's where that's that's where things like the sim come in handy and, and we've talked about yeah. that. So we hope you guys have enjoyed this kind of this, you know, brief summary or kind of an overall view of for those of you who are newer to the hobby. It's kind of a different track for us, but we decided there's a lot of you out there that are kind of in that in that situation and we, you know, we wanted to give you our thoughts on this process because the hobby's a blast flying a helicopter everybody on the planet at some point should be lucky enough to have that experience definitely it's just incredible show so look forward to that next week so uh, earlier before we started guys I, I mentioned drama and i kind of forgot one thing what has been going on over there at run rider dude oh what? dude that, brutal. He's in a world of hurt right Damn. now. Somebody's just hating on that dude right now. Yeah, it was, uh, what was it? A DDoS attack? Yeah. Yep. I think it's yep. called. The main denial of service or and, something and a, like that. I, I didn't really, there's a thread that when you can get on, <laughs> you can read, where Mark is addressing this. And apparently, I mean, I saw this this figure to deal with this, like $107,000? It's, I don't know. It's expensive to get it figured out. I mean, it, it doesn't damage, the, it doesn't damage the site, the bug that it is, but it just won't allow anyone to go on it. And it, it it's exactly what it says, a denial of service. Yep. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's having a rough yeah. time. <laughs> like he was, when he, you could get on, he said, oh, I don't think you guys understand. The only reason you're on here and talking right now is because whoever did this let up. They just gave me a break for a minute. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, they had to eat lunch or something. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. Drop a deuce or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it just, it, yeah, it sucks, man. Yeah, what a, and, what a helpless feeling. I mean, yeah, and it, you can't help but wonder if it didn't have something to do, you know, with the timing because it, he was supposed to, Run Rider was supposed to go and cover. I know Orlando he brought Hulley that. I, I, you know what? I didn't. I didn't make that connection until he brought it up in that post. And yeah, it does seem a little fishy to me. I don't know. It's you know sometimes. I mean, these attacks start on a Monday before he he's supposed to leave. Yep. To an then event caused him to not yeah. be able to go to the event. He has to stay at home. Other people get to cover it. I mean, who? Baby mama drama, man. Holy cow. Yeah, it's been a <laughs> it's been a drama filled week in the army. That's for sure. Yeah, they had all sorts of, I don't know, I'll be interested to see if we can't get in touch with someone, maybe maybe Pinion will let us in, or maybe Bird will be able to. I always, Dan, I just, I love Pinion's interviews. Oh, I, I, I could listen to him just 
forever. Yeah, because just- <laughs> I just I love how he crawls under everyone. It's like he's so nice and so funny, but they're always you know they're always going like, oh god, what's he gonna say next? Yeah, yeah I mean, really. Ask? You know what? Yeah. You know what I really find entertaining about his interviews is how when he's interviewing people, people know in theory they should actually be looking at the puppet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but then there's this kind of this awkward, who do I look at? And they, you can see their eyes kind of going back and forth. And, back. and then, then they're kind of leaning a little bit. To, yeah. Like, you're in my space, yeah. dude. You're yeah. in my space. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of good fun. We enjoy having Pinion around. And in fact, um, we are looking to have Pinion on a full show, I think, next week. I don't know if that's going to work out, um, depending upon what his schedule is, but we've, we've been talking about it. And, uh, of course, when things settle down for Bert after this event, of course, as you guys are listening to this, the event is over. Hopefully it went well for those guys, all the drama aside. <laughs> and um, we're hoping to get him on uh, soon to kind of, of course, so we can maybe get a, a firsthand scoop on some of that drama. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to want to go into that, but... He, you oh, know, he will. If he comes here, he's going to be asked about it. He just <laughs> doesn't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll convince him. We'll convince him. All righty, guys. Well, if you guys wanted to get in touch with me, you could do that at dan at rchelanation.com. You can also get in touch with me at runrider at Dan K. Reed or R. Kelly at Dan K. Reed. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, easiest way is definitely just shoot me an email at nick at rchelanation.com. And yeah, that's the best way. And the compass guy, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? The best way to get in touch with me would be to shoot me an email at jesse at RC Heli Nation or just shoot me a PM on all the forums at Almonds and 63. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you were just going to stop with shoot me. Uh-huh. Just shoot me. Well, we can, <laughs> we can do a retake if you want. <laughs> no, uh-huh. Just give me a little key in and I'll do that again. And then Justin, how would I get in touch with you? You could get me at justin at rchelination.com or check out the chat on our homepage. We sure hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Later. Later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the Contact Us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a Donate Now button on our homepage as well.